0: Welcome to Historical Jesus, I'm Mark Vinette. When were the four canonical Gospels written? Can scriptural authentication help establish the chronology of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Let's listen as Christian apologist, theologian, and podcaster Jimmy Aiken continues to present his case for When the Gospels Were Written.
1: Let's look at the evidence for the dates of the four Gospels. Where should we begin? We actually should begin with
2: a work that isn't one of the Gospels, but that is in the New Testament, the Book of Acts. More than a century ago, the liberal German scholar Adolf von Harnack published a work titled The Date of the Acts and the Synoptic Gospels, in which he considered this question. As the title suggests, he considered the date of Acts first, The reason being that it's easier to establish this date and then determine the dates of the synoptic gospels with respect to it. Acts is important because it's the sequel to the gospel of Luke, so the date of Acts determines the latest possible date for Luke. When was Acts written? Evidence for that is provided by the text of the book itself. The first 12 chapters of Acts are concerned principally with St. Peter, and then from chapter 13 onwards, St. Paul becomes the focus of the narrative. Beginning in chapter 21, Paul makes a fateful trip to Jerusalem, and he's prophetically warned along the way that if he goes there, he'll be arrested. This indeed happens, and the rest of the book, all the way up to chapter 28, is taken up with the consequences of this event. Paul spends years in custody, and in chapter 25, a turning point occurs when the new Roman governor, Porcius Festus, arrives. To avoid having the outcome of his trial affected by hostile Jewish authorities, Paul then invokes his Roman citizenship and the right to have his case tried before Caesar, the Caesar in question being Nero at the time. Festus then replies, You have appealed to Caesar. To Caesar you shall go. The rest of the book is taken up with the events leading up to Paul's voyage to Rome and what happened on that trip. Acts ends in chapter 28 with Paul under house arrest in Rome,
1: waiting for his trial. Luke simply concludes the book by saying, And he lived there two whole years at his own expense, and welcomed all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ, quite openly and unhindered. And that's
2: it. We get no resolution on what happened when Paul appeared before Nero. We don't get anything about what happened at his trial. Why is it significant that the book ends this way? Many scholars have suggested that the book's abrupt ending has implications for when it was written. It makes no sense if Luke knew the outcome of the trial for him to cut off his narrative at this crucial point. I mean, He's been building towards this climactic event for eight chapters, a quarter of the book. Yet he doesn't tell us what happened. This is all the more striking because whatever happened would have suited Luke's purpose. If Paul was acquitted at the trial, then Luke could portray Paul and the gospel as being gloriously vindicated. And actually, we learn from later historical sources that's what happened at this first trial. Paul was released and conducted a further period of ministry only to be rearrested and martyred after Nero found it convenient to blame Christians for the great fire of Rome in AD 64. But suppose it had gone the other way at the trial. If Paul was imprisoned or martyred, then Luke could portray Paul as gloriously and heroically suffering for the gospel as he'd done so often in the book previously. So whatever happened at the trial it would suit Luke's purpose in helping to promote the gospel in the Christian faith yet Luke gives us neither of these endings and the only reasonable conclusion is that he didn't tell us what happened to Paul because he couldn't the trial
1: had not yet taken place Von Harnack comments throughout eight whole chapters St Luke keeps his readers intensely interested in the progress of the trial of St Paul simply that he may in the end completely disappoint them they learn nothing of the final result of the trial. The more clearly we see that the trial of St. Paul, and above all his appeal to Caesar, is the chief subject of the last quarter of the Acts, the more hopeless does it appear that we can explain why the narrative breaks off as it does, otherwise than by assuming that the trial had actually not yet reached its close. It's no use to struggle against this conclusion. If St. Luke in the year 80, 90, or 100 wrote thus, he was not simply a blundering but an absolutely incomprehensible historian. Karnak also
2: points out that Luke repeatedly records prophecies of future events in Acts, yet he makes no prediction about Paul's ultimate fate.
1: Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800 218 6010. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now,
0: as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-218-6010. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth.
1: Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-218-6010. Advertisement
0: sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states.
1: St. Luke allows Agabus to foretell a famine, to foretell St. Paul's imprisonment in Jerusalem. He suffers St. Paul himself on the voyage to foretell, like a fortune teller, the fate of the ship and all its passengers. He, in many chapters of the book, deals in all kinds of spiritual utterances and prophecies but not one word is said concerning the final destiny of St. Paul and of St. Peter. Is this natural? There are prophecies concerning events of minor importance, while there's nothing about the greatest event of all. This further reinforces the conclusion that Acts was written before the events to which it has been building were concluded. In what year was Acts written? When does the narrative break off? This is disputed by scholars, the problem being that we don't know precisely when the
2: governor Festus arrived in Judea, because everything is dated around that. That's the turning point when Paul goes to Rome. This is the key event for dating when Paul's voyage to Rome began, and thus when his two-year period of house arrest began. Many estimate that Festus arrived in AD 59, and so Paul arrived in Rome in early 60, and his house arrest lasted from 60 to 62. However, I have done a currently unpublished study of the issue, and I agree with scholars like Jack Finnegan and Andrew Steinman that Festus actually arrived two years earlier in AD 57. That would mean that Paul arrived in Rome in early 58, and his house arrest ran from 58 to 60. I thus conclude that Acts was written in 60, towards the end of the two-year period that Luke mentions.
1: And how does this help us establish the dates of the Gospels?
2: it helps us directly establish the date of one of them. The Gospel of Luke was written before Acts. In fact, they were written as a two-volume set, and a careful study of the end of Luke and the beginning of Acts suggests they were written in close proximity to each other. This can be seen by comparing the Gospel of Luke's ending with one of Luke's sources, the Gospel of Mark. Now, there's a debate about whether the original ending of Mark may have been lost, but if so, it still contains information that indicates what would have happened. In Mark 16:7, an angel tells the women who have come to visit Jesus' tomb,
1: But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him as he told you. Mark thus envisions a
2: post-resurrection appearance of Jesus to the disciples in Galilee, and that's also what happens in Matthew, if you look at Matthew 28. But Luke omits this reference, even though it's right there in front of him in his source Mark. He omits it and instead focuses on post-resurrection appearances that occurred in Jerusalem and its vicinity. He makes no mention of the disciples going to Galilee,
1: Instead, Luke records Jesus telling the disciples, Thus it is written, that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Notice, repentance is to be preached to all the nations, beginning from Jerusalem,
2: and the disciples are to stay in the city, meaning Jerusalem, until they're clothed with power from on high. This is what Jesus is saying at the end of Luke. It's different than what we see in Matthew and Mark, and that difference has led some people to suggest there may be a conflict here. But really, there's not. The truth is that Jesus appeared to the disciples both in the vicinity of Jerusalem and in Galilee. John makes that clear. Luke simply focuses on the Jerusalem appearances, while Matthew and Mark focus on the Galilean appearances. John makes it clear he appeared in both locations. For our purpose, the question is, why did Luke choose to end his gospel as he did? Why did he choose to ignore the Galilee appearance that is alluded to at the end of his source, Mark? The obvious answer, if you think about it, is that he was already planning what he was going to write in Acts. Thus, at the beginning of Acts, he records Jesus telling the disciples,
1: But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This directly echoes the end of Luke's gospel. In
2: Luke's gospel, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you is a reference to the events of Pentecost that are recorded in Acts, and they correspond to stay in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. Similarly, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth is the outline of the book of Acts, and it corresponds to what Jesus says at the end of Luke's gospel, that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be preached in his name to all nations beginning in Jerusalem, and you are the witnesses of these things. The presence of these and other elements at the end of Luke, and particularly the way he diverges from Mark indicates that he was already planning what he was going to say at the beginning of the book of Acts. This shows that Luke was not written very long before Acts. If years had elapsed, we wouldn't find the gospel ending the way it does, using the same kinds of phrases that set up the recurrence of those things at the beginning of Acts. I therefore estimate that Luke was finished immediately before Acts, likely in AD 59, and that Luke used the two-year period of Paul's house arrest in Rome to finish gathering material for and composing these two books. I'm Mark Vinette.
0: Thank you for sharing your time with me.